just past 7 o'clock, and here we go. It's a Super Bowl edition of Iron Sports. 95.9, the True Oli's channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira. So much to talk about. The NFL season's over. Super Bowl's in the books, and what do you know? Once again this year, you called something from before the season started. You were right. Congratulations to you, and more importantly, congratulations to the Bucks because they actually had to win the game. But amazing and great game. It was a great game. I, I have to give myself credit again. I said this. <laughs> I mean, because I get blasted when I'm wrong, and I know people are saying, stop making prognostications. But I said, I thought Tom, I thought the Bucks before the season started, I said when the 7-5, when I went to the Kansas City game uh, in November and they lost, I said, this is the Super Bowl again. And then I, and I've been on this Buccaneers bandwagon the whole time. And they finally got healthy and they got improved and Brady was just getting them into shape and ready to go. And we saw one team that was sort of regressing or treading, well, I would say Kansas City was treading water and then one team that was just getting better and better and better. And you just, it's like training for that one moment, like the Olympics. It's, this is the Olympic day, who's gonna be the best? And clearly Tampa Bay was by far the best. And I'll have to say this though, I can't believe how many people think, oh, this was a terrible game. I, first of all, I was at the game, so I think <laughs> I have bias, but I thought it was a great, I, I just, it was just the matchup of these two great quarterbacks and the thing that I think made this game, unlike some other Super Bowls or some other events, like even the Alabama-Ohio State game, when you really didn't think Ohio State was going to come back in that game, the fact that Patrick Mahomes has come back so many times that just the threat of him coming back, it's like you're watching a thriller and you and you sort of know that this, someone's going to survive, but just the just the fact that someone is going to, that he's so talented and so great that even though you didn't think it could happen, you, you still thought it possibly could happen. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I was thinking the same thing. And, and, you know, COVID, I'm just watching with my wife and there's five, six minutes left. It's three touchdowns. And I'm like, this isn't over yet. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, if anyone is going to do it, it's Patrick Mahomes in this situation. I will give you credit, though. You're unwavering. Like you said, they got blown out by the Chiefs. They lost 31-3 to to their division rivals. You came back on this show every Monday night and said, I'm still taking them to win the, to win the Super Bowl. You were right. And, and I think you hit it on the head. That team was ascending. If they played next week, they'd beat a team by 50. They're just getting better every single week. And I think a lot of us gave a pass to the Chiefs. Well, they're the best team. They've got the best quarterback. They've been kind of slacking, for lack of a better word. Well, maybe they were slacking, but you don't slack in the Super Bowl, and they're going home with no hardware. Tom Brady's keeping it in Tampa. So uh, you were right, and it, it, was, it showed that you, that what you said, that, man, this team was just ready to play a lot more than the Chiefs. There was um, a show, there was a movie with Will Smith and Ali. The, the Ali show was on TV. I saw it, like, last week. Again, I've seen it, like, five times. But I remember when he was fighting George Foreman and Zaire, and there was this point where he was getting pounded by Foreman, and Foreman was going to throw all these punches, and Ali sat there with that confidence, like, we're going to win this. I sat behind the Tampa Bay. I was on row K, so I was like six rows back. But mm -hmm. really, there was only two other rows before. Right behind the Tampa Bay defense, where they sat. The Dominic Sue, uh, um, uh, Vita Vea was there. Shaq Barrett was there. Devin Smith was there. They were, they're standing right there. And every time they stopped the Chiefs, they came back and like, we have this. We have this. Like... The more I saw that you saw in the fourth quarter, this could be played 20 quarters. They were going to still pound. They, mm -hmm. There was just the confidence, just the utter confidence. There was no panic. They were like, we're going to win this game. You just sensed it. They were just encouraging each other. Um, really just that. I, I've been behind a lot of benches from Penn State where I sit behind. I like you know watching the benches. So I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a defense that calm, that focused, and just the utter confidence that we know how great this team is, but we have the plan in place. Like We have the ability and we have the plan to stop them for a team that everyone says is unstoppable. And they didn't take their foot off the, the gas on defense either. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to let Mahomes get an inch because that's when he takes a yard and then takes uh, some touchdowns from there. Um, this whole game was just, it, it was something else. And by the way, like Ira said, he was there. So follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, at Ira on Sports. you got some videos that you're not going to see anywhere else, including the, quote, streaker who came on the field. So you can see all this. Uh, follow us on social media, at Ira on Sports. Before we get into the, you know, you getting there and all that, what you said, to me, this game could have been a different story because there was some bad calls on my, in my opinion, there was two touchdowns dropped off people's masks. So I think that the Chiefs could have scored 30 points. But to add to what you're saying, if they had, Tampa would have scored 60. 
There's no stopping them on offense, and the defense looked so good. I don't think that the Chiefs got the most out of their night. I think it could have been better, but Tampa just had an answer for everything they did, and I think they would have won regardless of the bad P.I. call, regardless of the overturned interception, and regardless of the two uh, dropped or two touchdowns off people's face masks, this was still going to be Tampa Bay's game. It was going to be Tampa Bay's game, and everything we've been talking about Kansas City, now this is my third time watching Kansas City. I saw them against Tampa Bay earlier, then I saw them against the Dolphins. And a lot of the problems they've had, their inability to score in the red zone. They're a very high-flying offense, but when you get down in the 10- and 15-yard line, you have to figure out how to score touchdowns and not kick field goals. And they were kicking field goals even against the Dolphins, they were kicking field goals. Yeah. And I think that was a problem. And I, there, and people say, oh, there's penalties. And, and I know people criticize the penalties, but they had 10 penalties against, um, they had 10 penalties in the previous game. They've had, they're one of the most penalized teams. They're not a disciplined team. NFL, they they do make mistakes. They we talk about how they throw Mahomes throws off his back foot and they throw shovel passes and they're able to get away with that. But this team wasn't going to take it. Tampa Bay was not going to take that. And I do think, and we're going to go over the what I think the key points of this game was. But the fact that Tampa Bay played Kansas City two months ago and that gave up that first quarter where they it could have been a hundred to nothing in that yeah. first quarter. Tyreek Hill had two hundred some yards in that first quarter. I think they saw the speed. They saw it's like a lot of times you go into a boxing match and you don't really know the speed of your opponent. You train, you think it, you have sparring partners. They saw the speed. They saw what Kansas City did. I think that helped them. I think they learned so much from that game. And I don't think can I think all the thing that happened over the game is Kansas City got overconfident against Tampa Bay. It's like we we were able to blitz them in the first quarter. We'll do it again. I agree with you that the loss. Made them go back to the drawing board and figure out what do we have to do to beat these guys whereas Kansas City's going like we beat them already we'll go let's go in and do what we did and they did make no adjustments throughout the game we'll talk more about that <clears throat> I run sports true all these channel on Mike Balsamo Ira I love your stories of just getting to these these events we were on this show one week ago and you were saying you don't think you're going to make it. It was just such a stretch to make the tickets happen. And you, like the crazy person you are, you headed there with no tickets ready to go. Let's talk about it. Well, all week I was, I mean, I must have been on stuff up every like 20 minutes looking at it. <laughs> Ticketmaster trying to understand it. And remember, there's only 22,000 tickets, not 65,000 tickets. Um, 7,500 were going to healthcare workers. And the problem with Super Bowl, as opposed to all the other, the NBA Finals, the World Series, is the NFL gives these tickets away to people. They don't, a lot of times people don't buy the tickets or it's part of through advertising contracts and then people aren't allowed to sell them. There's very few tickets that people actually can buy in the NFL because they know exactly what tickets they give to quote, quote, like Nike. They know they're going to know who, who, you know, whose, whose ticket where that was mm -hmm. from Nike. So that's the point in terms of, of, of understanding and inability to get these tickets and whatever. So, so, um, this is not your first Super Bowl by any means. You've been to quite a few. Yeah, I mean, I was at 2009 uh, Steelers versus Arizona in, in Tampa. Probably the best Super Bowl of my generation. And that was such an exciting one. And I had trouble getting those tickets. And I know the day before, the prices on that Saturday, I was in Tampa walking around, and they dropped. And I got it for very cheap and sat 50-yard line seats. Snoop Dogg was to my left. Uh, the Baldwin <laughs> brothers were behind me. Uh, it was it was really one of the most. Like, Jim Fjork sat, like, to my right. And it was a great win, great game. Antonio Holmes, catch. So that was exciting. And then in Miami, I went down to the Saints-Colts game, and that one was shockingly it was underface i think i got in for like six hundred dollars five six hundred dollars really? to a game to, a, to like a seat in the first row of the upper deck it was so cheap people the, we talked about this before the saints fans went back they didn't want to party they didn't want to party in the stadium and the colts fans had no desire to uh there weren't many colts fans so they didn't go and then uh and then i went dallas to the Packers steelers game very lucky someone gave me a ticket to that game that wow. was the one where they, they had to actually give up seats. They went, they, you had NFL executives out there buying seats up because the stands were not, the sheriff did not certify them because they literally take 5,000 seats mm -hmm. out and then buy tickets. That was the craziest game I've ever seen in terms of getting tickets and a horrendous loss for the Steelers. I mean, it's really, <laughs> when you look at my, the worst all-time loss for the Steelers, that Super Bowl to Aaron Rodgers, definitely 2011, they'll never recover. Seahawks, Broncos, um, I bought it through a friend. I had sat 50-yard line, great ticket for just a little over face on that, got very lucky that that was the weird game where the ticket prices was supposed to snow, then it didn't snow, and then the day of the game, the weather was perfect. But it was like people, it was the prices fluctuated so much during that game. Um, and then last year, I went two years ago, I flew to Atlanta for the New England New England game against the Rams. That was weird. I sat like the worst seat in the house, really? just barely got into that game. That was crazy to get in. And this one, it was like I wasn't anticipating I wanted to go to the game because it was going to be like, first of all, because you have to buy pods of two, so there was no one's going to have that single ticket to buy. And if they were, they were going to you have to pay a premium just to get it and honestly they were going at originally 10,000 a ticket which is ludicrous for the worst seat in the house and then they even the day of the game they were going down to around like 6,000 a ticket and it was hard and then I'm like but I but everyone kept 
my brokers were saying, they're, they're, there's so many tickets out there, they're going to have to drop them. But these brokers put, have invested so much money into the tickets, they were holding out to the last yeah. minute. Like, uh, So I don't know. I just said, if, I, if something comes up, I better be there. Like, It's not working being in West Palm Beach. When If, if someone calls us, I have a ticket for you, Ira, because I have a lot of friends there. Like, If something happens, I got to be there. Like, I can't. It's a three-hour drive. It's not like Star Trek. I can teleport myself. <laughs> so I literally drove there without the ticket, talking to brokers the whole way, went through rain, got there, and parked in uh, in a, a parking lot outside. You don't park. You parked in like at a commercial establishment. They've got like lot. fields and stuff out there too, like grass fields. They have so, grass, yeah. but those are all taken for the Super Bowl. So, oh, okay. um, so I went to just a, a parking lot, sat there, and, and then just like working it. And then unbelievably, I get a text from a friend of mine saying, I have a ticket sitting with us at face. The person didn't come. Do you want it? Do you want it? And I'm like, I was afraid it was like nine minutes ago. I'm like, nine minutes? He goes, you have 10 minutes to make a decision. I'm like, I want it. I want it. What I want it. What were you doing it. in the nine I minutes? I don't know man. why I didn't see the text. I think it was delayed. <laughs> and then the weird thing was that they sent me the ticket. And I am told everybody on the show three weeks ago that when you get a ticket transferred on Ticketmaster, you have to download like the NFL app, whatever game, these big games, you have to don't download the app of the game. So it's not like your Ticketmaster. So not only do you have to download the app I of the no game, idea. so you have to download that app. So that took some time. But then when they send it to you, you're checking your Ticketmaster, like it's not showing up. I'm like, it's not showing up. It's not showing up. I'm stressing out. But what you have to do is you have to go to your email and accept it before you can accept it in the ticket. It's Strange. I stressed out. I stressed and didn't make it. I'm like, I didn't get the ticket. I didn't get the ticket. They're like, oh. Come on, you have to go. We'll give it to someone else. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna get it. And I was like, stressed out to nothing. Finally, I got the ticket because they he texted it to me. Thankfully, then I go in and I'm like holding my phone so it doesn't go away like it's on a text. So I'm like, because I have my Apple wallet's not working, and I'm like, no, I don't want to lose this. I showed up at the stadium and look, I've been to these games and it's like the security is there's so much security, there's so many lines. I show up where the tents are. Remember, you're not entering the normal gate of the stadium. There's a, an outer area they go in because they don't, for security reasons, they do at the Super Bowl. So I walk through and there's all these people in the tent area and I'm like, are they testing COVID before the game? Like I'm thinking, are oh, they wow. doing a, to a PCR test? And I'm like, I'm going to miss the game because it's like six o'clock. I never get, I mean, I get the games four hours before the game. I'm not, <laughs> this is the latest I've ever gone to a game in my life. So then I, I go, I'm like, no. And then there was no testing. Literally, there was, I was the only, there was no line. They have like, when you go to like the theme parks and you have those things where you go, the uh, cords where you have to walk yeah. through the lines. That was like, I walked through. The only thing that took me time was to walk through the cords to go through because there's not a person in line. They had like 30 entrances and I was the only one walking in. I walked right through. It was the quickest entrance. It was like going to Walmart at three in the morning. It's like there's nobody there. Walk right to the stadium. I go and I get my some merchandise. I want you know these pins that I love. I'm like, oh, they have the game day pins. I'm so excited. And I rush in the stadium and. It's sitting, I sat similarly on like uh, the 30 yard line, uh, like 20 rows up or 10 rows up, but similarly where I sat uh, for the game, the, with the first game. So it was where I had the same perception between the Buccaneers bench. And it was exciting to see that and, uh, and go there. But I remember the feeling like just to walk into the stadium, how excited I was. Like it was the most exciting. Like I, this is my sixth Super Bowl. I've been to a zillion sporting events. And I'm like, when Tom Brady said he's excited, like I was so pumped to go to this game. Like I could not. <laughs> believe like I was so ready because I really wanted to go I thought it was a classic rivalry and just to go in the stadium and the interesting thing about the stadium was the cut cardboard cutouts which people mentioned like I sat next to a cardboard cutout really? literally I thought every time I hit it I was bumping into the person they were so <laughs> lifelike that I was like I'm sorry I was excuse me apologizing for the cardboard cutouts but um but that was one aspect of the game and then the one side where the weekend performed that's that side where the one was sitting there was all the stage one reason they don't want to put the stage on the field is it's grass field they've had problems in the past mm -hmm. like in Miami when the who performed they were on the field and messed up the whole field in that corner. So they really don't like to now put stages. They've been trying not to put the stages on of these course. grass fields. And this worked out better that way to do it that way. It's 717 Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, talking about Ira's trip to the Super Bowl. So you, you brought up so many questions in my head. And one day we're going to have to do a show about the stock market game that you play. It's like you're shorting GameStop when you're going back and forth. If your friend didn't come through with the ticket for you for face value, do you think you would have ended up going to a broker, or were you going to give up? What were you going to do if that the didn't happen? The broker prices were still high. I would have. I, it was too expensive. I wouldn't have done it. I think I was too high. It was too high for me, and I would have said no. I, I was that close, but I. But there's a chance that it could have dropped. Like there was so. I don't know. I didn't. The brokers, my two brokers I was using, did not let me know. They stopped looking, and then so I don't know. Like right at game time, what happened to the tickets? Now I did see some brokers out. I did see transfers outside, so I'm not sure. There might have been, but there were there were a, a significant amount of tickets right before game time. And that's unlike in Miami when there was no tickets out there at yeah. all. So this was a little bit different, and there were nobody out there looking hardly for tickets. So like, I don't understand why all those people were in the tent. I, I wasn't going to ask, start ask questions like, why is no. everybody <laughs> sitting around outside the tent? And were they waiting for tickets? Are they waiting? They might have been, but now I'm thinking, you know who they might? They might have been the halftime show. 
Like there could've was a been. point, so that could have been like I'm wondering why all those people were just sitting there, but they didn't seem like they were nervous about the games going to start in half hour. There must have been something I don't know, but that could have been because they had all the extras, yes. quote unquote, for the so half. That could have been. That, that could have been. So I'm not. I wasn't sure, and I wasn't asking questions. I just wanted to make sure. The, the thrill, as anyone who goes and goes to these games, the thrill of when you get a transfer a ticket. I know this sounds really stupid, but the moment that it says a go accepted, like when you go through the computer beep, thing, beep. Yeah. that's like I mean the greatest feeling because I've been you know sometimes something doesn't go through. And you're yeah. worrying about it. You're calling the people, trying to figure out. So the moment that's like, I'm like, so I'm like, I just like jump up in the air when that happens. <laughs> I know what you mean. A anytime I buy tickets from someone else, I'm worried when I get there that it's not going to go through, let alone the Super Bowl. Yes. Did you see anybody famous besides Tom Brady from up close? I didn't see anyone famous. I th it really wasn't. I don't think that I didn't. I sat lower, so I've sometimes I go to Super Bowl sit in the club section. You might see people. I didn't see where I where I, where I was sitting. I did not see anybody at all famous. Not, it wasn't like one of those games where you go like in the NBA. But no, I've been at, at football games and certainly Super Bowls. You see that, but not. I think this is a different type of game. I mean, people who went there for the parties. We saw. We talked about Miami just going to the parties last week. There were the parties were very subdued. There wasn't a lot of partying. Even after the game, you didn't see people like partying all. It, it's the COVID, so they're not. Yeah. People aren't going to do. Now there was more activity than you would expect, but it was it was it was a rather subdued victory. Don't forget to follow Ira Facebook, Instagram, see all these pictures. It's at Ira on Sports. I, I love my one picture because after the game, I feel like the last person to leave the stadium. Tom Brady was doing interviews, and then he came over, walked in front, and I was videotaping it. And I'm videotaping my phone, whatever, and I'm putting the video. And he literally, someone right next to me, he knew, and so he, you see in the stands, like he comes and he's like five feet away from me. It was yeah. so cool that he would run up with his kids and that was such a nice scene uh, for him to run up like that. And I got the good picture. I got a picture of the streaker that was running on. <laughs> I thought that was good. And then when they won, the coolest thing was that the confetti came right towards me and I'm like surrounded by confetti and it was like so neat. Like, feel I, like you won. Yeah, well, I don't know feel, but it was so cool from the video. Like the videos are cool. And then I got good pictures of the American or the national anthem before the game when the, uh, the planes flew over. Perfect mm. pictures of the planes, the bombers flying right over. So that was pretty cool. I, at I on sports Facebook and on Instagram so like we said you you had uh, Tampa all the way but we've been debating this game for a long time so what were your keys here to the game because we knew what these teams are gonna have to do to get it done well, I thought my one key to the game was that they played each other before. And I think that was the key. And after the 17 nothing first quarter of the game I was at in November, since that time, Tampa Bay now has outscored Kansas City 55-19. to 55-19. to 19. Here's a team, Kansas City, that's been won now 24 out of 26 games, but they, they've been down 55-19. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, as we just talked about, it wasn't just that learning the facts in the game. The fact that Tampa Bay, after that first quarter, figured out what they were doing wrong and how and, and to they actually – they actually figured out, I was hearing some commentator from the Tampa Bay players, they figured it out like at halftime in the second and third quarter. They felt confident, and that was pretty cool. They didn't have to wait to see, would this work? They got, they were down so much in that first quarter, they were able to try different things to see what, they was like the experiment in that game. So even though they lost the game, they experimented so many different things. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, you know, instead of having Tyreek Hill throw, you know, go for 210 yards in the first quarter, now since then, what, he had like 70 or 80 last this game, and then the rest of the game he had like 40. So he only ended up in like the next seven, seven quarters like over 100, just 100 yards. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Todd Bowles goes from the Jets head coach to winning a Super Bowl just three years later as an, a, a coordinator. I don't know if you saw this. This was awful. A reporter after the game thinks he's talking to Todd Bowles at the press conference and is talking to Byron Leftwich and asks him how he stopped Patrick Mahomes. And he's like, I think you want Todd. This is not a question for me. That's terrible. So a lot of people, especially people that aren't huge on football, Ira, might think, well, this was just Tom Brady coming in here, and he did what he had to do. I don't know if people realize how well this team has been building for years now. They've hit on all their first-round picks for the last half a decade. Their second and third-round picks are starters. This is what you need to do to win Super Bowls. Exactly, and and this is like the Jets. You look at the Jets the last five years and look at their the draft and then compare it Most to Most of those this. guys aren't in the league now. I'm just going to – 2018, Vita Vea. And we mentioned Vita – I, I briefly mentioned him, and I spent the whole week saying I don't think I gave Vita Vea enough credit. Vita Vea is a defensive uh, tackle from – He's like a Will Ford. From Washington. He is the second biggest player in the NFL. He's mm. 360 pounds. So I'm sitting behind the Tampa Bay bench on when their defense was there. Now Dominic Sue is a huge, I mean, I saw him at a heat game and we sat He's near him. He literally takes entire row. <laughs> he looks small compared next to Vita Vea. So what does this mean? When Vita Vea was missing that first game, he's back from Washington. So when he's there on the node right over the center and you put Dominic Sue and Vita Vea, that's like a wall. That's a total wall yeah. of players. So when, when you saw Mahomes against Buffalo, when you saw Mahomes against Cleveland, when he like scrambles, he would just run up the middle. You can't scramble against a wall. Like 
literally they were taking a wall. There was a there was a brick wall right there, and that's how great he is. So they drafted him in the first round. Second round they got Ronald Jones, the running back, mm-hmm. who in, who played well. Then Carlton Davis, who covered Tyreek Hill, he was drafted in the second round. And Jordan Whitehead, another of their cornerbacks, drafted. He was the one with the big tackle on the hit on Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards Hilaire that I heard so loud. That was a nice tackle. Oh my gosh! So he was drafted in the fourth round. Then 2019, Devin White, who I. Can you believe Devin White's not in the Pro Bowl? I mean, he's like, every game, it's 14 tackles. He's number 45. I thought he should have been MVP. All over the place. Sean Murphy Bunning, the the other cornerback in the second round. Jamal Dean in the second round. And Scotty Miller, the wide receiver in the sixth round. And then in 2020, Tristan Wirf, their tackle. So they got the tackle. And then they got Antonio Winfield, the the star cornerback. And Tyler Johnson, the backup wide receiver. I mean, these drafts, this Jason Light has just done a tremendous job drafting. And that allowed Brady to want to come here. Like, if this team was terrible, He he wouldn't be there. He comes there. The team is great. He brings Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown with him, and that's what completes the thing. And the other thing, someone made some, Anna Sheffer, I think, made this good point, is that when Brady was a free agent, supposedly, when the, when the Pats didn't want him, oh, really, it was between the Chargers and the and, and, and the and the Buccaneers. Where are the other teams? They were happy with their quarterback situation. We don't need Tom Brady. We don't need Tom Brady. So you got to give the Buccaneers credit for saying, this is who we want. This is who we want to bring in. And they had the foundation for him to want. It just worked out perfectly. They had the league leading passer in yards the year before that. They decided we got to cut and run because we can't stand the interceptions. In addition to the guys you mentioned, Chris Godwin, Levante David, this whole team has been drafted with the exception of the guys that Tom Brady just brought with him. So, you know, when teams wonder why their team's not good, it's because your second, third, fourth, fifth round guys don't start for you. They're not even in the league anymore. These guys draft players that are contributing and and, and it showed. And this is just another reason why, uh, why Tom Brady chose them because they had the most pieces in place and it showed why they won. And this, it was really impressive all the way around. I run sports, true oldies channel, 725. Um, so what, what else were you focused on here as what needed to be done to win the game? Well, I think the Arians, we talked about this before, Bruce Arians, the coach, turning the offense over to Brady. I felt like that, that's where you felt like there was tension because Brady was trying to throw these long passes. Even though we're going to go over game by game, I'm going to show a situation. That one on that fourth play was like four, third and one when they threw to Gronk near the end of the game. I don't understand that pass at all. But besides that, it seems like Brady was able then to run the type of offense he wanted when they finally made that decision. And mm-hmm. I think that helped. And that's why, I mean, look, they beat Washington in the playoffs, and they beat New Orleans, they beat Green Bay. I mean, this was a, this is tremendous in terms of a run on the road, all these games. I mean, everyone criticized Brady because they're like, oh, he's playing in division, he always gets a bye, it's so easy in the AFC. He just goes to the NFC and does it over. Breeze, <laughs> Rodgers, and Mahomes. He, he ran out. <laughs> you know, the, what the one stat is, he's won now seven Super Bowls, and every other player in the NFL combined has only won eight. So he's won as many Super Bowls <laughs> as every, every other quarterback back in the entire NFL. He's won more than any other franchise. <laughs> but I thought the key was the Tam- in the, from the Tampa Bay offense and the KC defense was the running game. Fournette and Jones. And I, I predicted this. I, I sensed it. Fournette ran for 16 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. Caught four passes for 46 yards. And uh, they ended up running and Jones did 12 for 61. So they, they rushed for 150 yards Last game, I'm going to bring back to the November game, they rushed for 75. But the fact is, I think Jones was healthier, Fournette's been healthier, and the key was in the first game, they passed 41 times, Tampa Bay did, and ran 13, just 13 times. This time, they passed 29 times and ran 33. It's 50-50 split. Perfect way to run that. Now, of course, they had the lead, so it's better, but they started running early. They they made a commitment to that. And I remember Leonard Fournette. I remember him from LSU. He was one of the best college running backs I've ever seen. But in a 45-42 win in 2018 over the Steelers. Now, this was the last game that Ben, Lavin Bell, and Antonio Brown played together as a team. <laughs> and that was the game we were favored. We, it was, we were the 13-4 team. It was supposed to be really good, 13-3. Um, Blake Bortles was the quarterback. Fournette, 110 yards, three touchdowns. They were leading 24-14 halftime. And the Steeler players, like, we did not want to tackle him. And that's what I sensed in the game. You could see Bre- Breland for Kansas City. I was so close when, when Fournette runs. They, they, he gets through the first tackle, but he hurts the defensive backs. They didn't want to tackle him. Um, Gronk was key in the first game. In the first game, Gronk had six catches. Gronkowski had six catches for 106 yards. He had, in the Super Bowl, it's the same thing, two touchdowns, 67 yards. He played very important role in those things. And then Evans and Godwins. Now, people are saying, oh, can you imagine that Evans only and Godwin combined at three catches for 30, for 30 yards? 
But Evans also had three pass interference penalties yeah. on him, and those were key plays. So that's like uh, uh, Hopkins says that when, with the Cardinals. He makes comments like, I said, let get open. But I thought that was the key. And the fact that they were able, Evans was able to stretch the field and do those things, and that's what's so amazing. And Antonio Brown really was a non-factor that first game, but he had five catches, 52 yards, and that key touchdown pass in, the, in this game, I thought that was key. And one of the things we just mentioned before, Kansas City with the penalties. The penalties, but they've always been penalized. And then in the first game, they had 10 penalties. In this game, 11 penalties. So it wasn't like something crazy. This team, Kansas City, I saw them against the Dolphins too. Penalties against Dolphins. Stupid plays. Um, again, another key point. I thought Kansas City lost. It's cool. I thought they were, they were Tyron Matthew. You did not see this on TV. I saw it. He was LeBron out there. I mean, I like his intensity, intensity and his enthusiasm, but he was going to the refs. There was one time where he took his helmet off, literally ran over to the ref. The ref who called it wasn't even near him, and the play was about to start. The Antonio Brown touchdown, one of the reasons he was called for the penalty earlier, he was complaining so much. That's why Antonio Brown caught the ball. He wasn't ready. He was yelling at the ref while the, when Brady snapped the ball. Tyrone Matthew, mm. the one time the, the ref looked at him and put a finger and said, like, one, like, and it was almost mouthing, like, you have one more chance, or we're going to throw a penalty on you or throw you out of the game. I've never Rarely that has a lot a, of context for us watching it on TV. It didn't make sense. It, it was it was it was almost Vontae Burfecht like, but without the hits. But I'm sort of he was out of control. The team was out of control. You could see the yelling from that, and it was like that you can play with passion, but the passion wasn't there, and that you cannot look. He was getting called for these penalties, and I'm going to tell another thing and that I didn't hear the commentator say. He got called for these penalties because he was yelling at the refs, and if you're, the refs are if you're yelling at a ref, they're going to call penalties on you. you. It's not like the NBA. You know, in the NBA, they have a quick whistle with a te- they could call a technical, but they. I think that it was like, okay, instead of calling you a technical, we're going to call you some for pass interference penalties. And, of course, the Kansas City line got no pressure on, on Brady. Um, they had that one sack. And, and Spagnola, who was the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, remember when he did the Giants, he pressured Brady. He didn't have the players. He couldn't pressure him, yeah. couldn't do anything. And Brady, and then they were able to run. Besides, they were controlling the line. They were able to use the line and run the ball so well. Um, going back to the um, Matthew thing, yeah, it was hard to see. On TV, it didn't make sense why he got the call. And you probably didn't see it in real time. He was yelling at Spagnolo on this. Spagnolo was telling him to calm down. He's yelling at his defensive coordinator. So obviously, he was a little bit off the handle there. 7.30, Iron Sports. Don't forget, Facebook and Instagram. See all the action from the Super Bowl. It's at Iron Sports. What, uh, what what else were you thinking here with the match? Well, I was talking about now, this is the Kansas City offense with the Tampa Bay defense. And this is what I thought the key was in terms of, remember, Kansas City was up 17-0, and since then, in seven quarters, 19 points. What happened? What happened with Kansas City? Why couldn't they score? Um, and why did Mahomes the first game throw for 462 yards and three touchdowns? And the Super Bowl, he was only through for um, 300, uh, 250 yards, and he had four, uh, two interceptions and three sacks. I mean, look, one of those, the worst game from everything perspective from Mahomes for his entire career that he's ever had. Um, so what happened? One, first of all, their offensive line. Michael Schwartz, uh, Mitchell Schwartz was with one of their tackles, got hurt early in the year. Yeah. And Eric Fisher then got him, got hurt in the Bills game. So there's the two tackles there. And they're out. Pro Bowl level tackles. Pro Bowl level. And Kelechi Osamani, their guard, he got hurt in week five too. So he's out. And then Lauren... Uh, Laurent Devarney, Tardif, who was the, he was a, a, a guard who decided to opt out before the season started. He's a doctor, so he went to Canada. It's a great story that he decided not to play football but help people with COVID, but he opted out. So this line that they had is nothing, nowhere near what the line they had in the Super Bowl. So you see Kelsey, you see Hill, you see Mahomes, you see all those things, but this team has been completely different, totally devastated in terms of what the same personnel, and I think that line really, and their inability, and they also have a tight end. Something, nothing people are not mentioning. Kelsey is not a blocking tight end. Yeah, he a lot of times you would have a team, and like even Gronk blocks. Like you could have blocky. After the two touchdowns, he was blocking. Right, and that and the key is you can have a blocking tight end. Kelsey is not a blocking tight end. When you don't have a blocking tight end, you're not going to take Kelsey out to put someone else in the game. That's what the problem with it. They had no one to help these tackles and guards, and that affected them. Yeah, they love the four wide receiver wide. So you can't do that if you can't block for, for Mahomes. And then we talked about the Bucks defense with Vita Vea and Naramak Sue right in the middle. Then you had Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Ball on the outside just running. I mean, there was a point I saw, I got a great picture, where I think Pierre-Ball was running and one of the guards was, the tackles, was like holding his jersey. They didn't get a call for holding and Pierre-Ball's just dragging him, tackling uh, Mahomes. And then Devin White and Levante David, the linebackers, and Davis and Winfield and Murphy Brunting and Whitehead in the secondary. It's just perfect. And, and what I saw in this game was that they were going to rush with four. They didn't blitz, but they were able to say, but by doing that, they got this rush and they didn't, he didn't have have time to run down the field. He didn't have time to go so deep. And and then Mahomes then decided, well, if I don't have time, then I'm going to just run around like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. So he's running around and again, I don't know how we can keep playing like that. That You're going to get injured. I was amazed that he didn't get injured in this game, but if that's what what they're going to revert to, instead of doing quicker passes, 
they just didn't change. They didn't no, alter. Zero adjustments. And and that was like that was the there were 17 pressures on 14 dropbacks. And uh, their longest completion was Kelsey at 33 yards and Kill only had a 23. Here's a person that had like a 75 yard and a 50 yard and a 60 yard the last game. His longest completion or reception was 23 yards. And uh, also the key thing was that no one else got doing anything. I mean, Hill had seven catches for 73 on 10 targets. Uh, Kelsey had 15 targets for t- 10 catches for 133 yards. But no other receiver had more than two receptions. Yeah. Uh, Hardman had two catches for four yards. Robinson, one for 11. Watkins, Watkins one won. for 13. Yeah. Like, these are one, the other wide receivers that they could have used. This. Now, he tried to throw uh, throw to Hardman, and Hardman dropped the ball, and it wasn't, but it just, their offense was not in sync with and that, And that's one of the questions. Maybe they need another wide receiver that's going to catch the ball to get open because they've depended so much on Hill and Kelsey. Um, they had no first downs. They were just three for 13, averaged 4.7 yards of play. Um, the last game, they were six for 12. And their running game was about the similar. I mean, the first game, they, they actually had 100 yards rushing because Alaire had that nice run. But in the last game, they had 100. But And it was like it was like one of those games, though, where I felt like that, as we as everyone says, the offensive line, and people felt like, oh, Mahomes will be able to figure out that his offensive line is terrible and be able to. And I said, no, if a quarterback doesn't have this offensive line, it's going to totally break down. It reminded me a little about the games when I, I want to compare it to the Alabama games. When Alabama plays an SEC school like a Mississippi State that has like this great quarterback that throws all these yards, and you're like, wow, he's a great quarterback. He'll figure out some way. And then when Alabama's defense just comes and just, then suddenly he's like 10 for 35 <laughs> for 80 yards and four touchdowns. And that's sort of like as great as Mahomes could be. And also his running around didn't help him in terms of getting, he couldn't even get the, the, the people open. One of the issues that I think was a, a mistake on the Chiefs part was, okay, your left tackle's out of the game. So what they do? They move their right tackle to left tackle, move their right guard to right tackle, plugged in a right guard. That's three guys playing different positions. Replace the left tackle. Let your right guard and right tackle be your right guard and right tackle. I think that was foolish because they didn't seem in sync all night, and I, I have a feeling it was predicated on that. Not that it probably would have made that much of a difference anyway, Ira, just the, the way they were rushing them. Um, you're right, Mahomes, I don't know if there was, you know, it's hard to see on TV what's going on in the secondary. You would have seen it better. Even when it was, you know, a, a quick three-step drop or something, it didn't seem like Mahomes had anywhere to go. Even if he did have that split second to throw, it, the secondary must have been all over their receivers. Well, they were they were over. That's why he threw to Harbin. They were over Kelsey. They were bracketing him. Uh, Carlton Davis was played totally on him. Like, he had help. Now, this is, like, he seemed to always have help behind him, so he felt like he could press Hill all the time. So when Hill ran those short routes, he was on him. So there was no, he was not open. So to run anything short, because he knew that, like, you're worried with Hill, because he's so fast that if you credit to him on a short pass, he's just going to go by you. But they made sure that there was always someone behind him, so they bracketed him the entire game. And then Kelsey seemed to be off too. I mean, he did not have First that game. Dropped a couple balls, and you had those drops. But I've seen I've seen Hill drop a ball. I, I haven't really seen Kelsey drop balls like he had that one drop. But it was that situation where I didn't think they went to him enough early. We're going to go over the game in terms of what happened. But I think that was. But in the secondary, I think it was like they figured this out. Um, Tyreke Hill said after the first game, he goes, well, you ran for, you got 260 yards, you had 210 in the first uh, quarter. What happened the last game? He goes, oh, I got tired running around. <laughs> no, he didn't get tired running around. The Buccaneers figured it out, how to they stop him. The defense, and then to yeah. stopped him in that, the final two quarters of that game and then the four quarters for this game. So um, Andy Reid just didn't seem like himself. And there's probably good reason for this. And unfortunately, Ira, this is not the first time that this happened in Andy Reid's career. Well, it was his son, Britt Reed, who was not just that this is important because he's the linebackers coach for the team. Now, he was driving a car, leaving the facility. So he's leaving the facility and he a car was parked. And I've been to this facility. It is understand it is crazy the stadium is like under like low like you have to go down like past to go in the, it's like on a, a valley whatever in really? where the, it's like a complex where there's two stadiums so to get up into it you're actually driving uphill and i guess another car was stalled and then another, their friend the cousins came and they were parked there trying to fix the park's car but you could see how you're trying to drive up you literally have to drive uphill to get out of the stadium it's weird like a lot of stadiums are on hills this is like underneath like below the hill and uh almost like this the side the top of the stadium is almost even to what around the area is. It's, it's a very weird stadium. So he was driving up the hill and he hit uh, this car, two cars, and the, so it's, unfortunately two kids were in the back of the car and one of the kids is seriously injured, critical condition. And then he an, admitted that he was drinking three beers or three drinks, I want three drinks that he had. So there's an issue. And also he's injured. He actually had surgery. So he was in the hospital. And this is a Friday night right before it. And unfortunately for Britt, he's had situations before. In 2007, uh, he and his brother uh, were uh, were arrested for 
and, and, and they were living in Andy Reid's house when he was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and going through everything with those dead, the, the Super Bowl and those things. And he was arrested, and the, ju- and the judge said, you're running a drug emporium out of your house, out of Andy Reid's house. So it's, you know, there was a big issue. As someone who falls in Pennsylvania and everything, it was, it's pretty big when the coach's son, it's not like son that is living in the house, is running a drug emporium at the house, and issues with pulling a firearm and those things. Now, it seems like he's got his act, his life together. He became a coach. He's been on the staff for seven, eight years and those things. But to have this happen like that, and his brother, Garrett, it, it died of a drug overdose a number of years ago. So the same one was arrested with the same thing they were with, with Brid. So clearly this is this was just to happen right before the Super Bowl would affect the team because the team works. So this isn't someone just Andy Reid. This is a player. This is someone who is their coach who's now involved in this. Mm-hmm. So it clearly had an effect. And I do this brought to, to mind in 1999, Eugene Robinson. This was the night before the Super Bowl. Atlanta was playing Denver. He was the Athletes Action Award for Character of the, of the Year. And he was arrested like at 11 o'clock at night when they were supposed to be in curfew for a prostitute violence or picking a prostitute <laughs> in Miami. And, uh, and then during the game, he gave up an 80-yard touchdown pass, a big run to tell Davis they got killed Atlanta got killed 34-19 by Denver and then in 2003 uh, Barrett this was the Tampa Super Bowl Oakland was favored Oakland was a very good team that year and Barrett Robbins was the Pro Bowl center Oakland had the best offense in the game everything's very similar to you know the Kansas City's yeah. offense in terms of Oakland was was a, was this high-powered offense night before the Super Bowl he disappeared they finally found him and, and he felt that he was out in Tijuana celebrating he thought he had won the Super Bowl um, from, from some issues and bipolar and drug and alcohol issues and those things but he was Celebrating, thought he won the Super Bowl, so he couldn't participate even in the Super Bowl, and they ended up losing the Super Bowl, 48-21 to Tampa. That grew in one. So these incidents, I mean, again, to say this did not have effect on the team two days before Super Bowl, when a game that you have to be at your utter focus or whatever, clearly was an issue. And I and I don't think I heard that CBS didn't bring it up a lot. Whereas I not know, at all. but people in the stands talked about it. They were it was something that people talked about. I was surprised that CBS. I, I I haven't. I was trying to watch the game again today, and it wasn't on the NFL Network. But they said they didn't bring it. Brought up one time. It's 7.39. You're listening to Ira on Sports. It's the True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Follow us. Facebook, Instagram. See all these uh, pictures and movies from the Super Bowl. It's at Ira on Sports. Maybe we got about 10 minutes or so here to get through this game. And (laughs) it it was something that a game went really fast, Ira. I mean, watching it on TV, you looked up and it was like, wow, it's halftime already. Wow, it's over. Let's go through it. I don't know. My friends say the game. I, again, I everyone. I, when I was at the game, first of all, I went to the. I got in my seat. I never lit up. I didn't go to the restroom. I didn't get <laughs> get, get, get Coca Cola. I didn't get a bottle. I mean, I literally sat well, there. Well, it's fifteen whole, bucks for a coke. I, so I just, I just <laughs> wanted to sit there because there's so much happening. When you're at the Super Bowl. There's so much going on when you're sitting like there. Like you didn't want to miss anything. Like I didn't want to miss something happen. Like Antonio Brown coming over and talking, or, or Sue, or Vea, and seeing everyone, or the coaches, or Tom Brady throwing the ball on the sideline to Blaine Gabbard. I mean, it's just it's so exciting to be there and to, to just experience all the factors, what's going on. So I just, I was like, to me, I'm sending out pictures, I'm posting, I'm like, it was just so much fun to be there. So to me, yeah, I agree, the game went super fast. It was like one of those games because they ran so ball so much. There were so many runs from mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's perspective. Um, but just to go, you know, to go through it is in the first half, it, the uh, Kansas City deferred. Um, they do that all the time because they want to have the ball the second half. They won the toss, and it was heads the first times. It wasn't tails. <laughs> that was one of the first times it was ever heads. And then I was, like, nervous for Tampa because Godwin, it was like, went three and out, and Godwin had a drop. And, and this Godwin dropping the balls in the playoffs, he, you know, Brady made the announcement. He's, like, the best hands he's ever had a wide receiver. And of course, it's Welker and Edelman and this, and you know, he just drops these balls. As the season went on, he didn't trust Godwin nearly as much as he did the other receivers. No, no, no. And then Kansas City gets the ball, and Mahomes, and this is what got me nervous because, I'm, of course, rooting for Tampa Bay. So Mahone scrambles for a first down. I'm like, wow, this is what he did the other games. Like this against the Bills. Like his scrambling, I thought his foot hurt. He was not going to scramble. He ran. And then he had two long passes to Hardman and he didn't throw to Hill, didn't throw to Kelsey at three and out. Like, wow, okay, three and out. That's interesting. They're not doing anything after the first down. So it was like one first down and out. And then Tampa gets the ball back. And this reminded me of the Green Bay game. Remember because Brady got sacked like in the second possession and that was the only sack he had. This was Fred Clark sacked him in that possession and they had to punt. But that was the only sack they had the entire game. And and you weren't so because Brady had only three points in nine Super Bowls, so you weren't like expecting this explosion of offense in that first. But you're a little concerned now. They've had the ball two times and haven't scored, and you're like, oh, maybe Kansas City's defense. Like I got nervous because I'm thinking Kansas City's defense might be a little better than I thought they were, and I was thinking this could what well, we're going to go with this. Then Kansas City gets the ball and Mahomes gets another 11 yard run when they got first and ten on Tampa Bay 30, and he threw to Hardman again another incompletion, and then uh, on third and 11. 
I was watching this play when he threw to Hill. That ball was a like he threw it like a sort of eleven, and Hill was running one way. He didn't see it. There were people everywhere. Like I couldn't believe like the play was a mess. Hill wasn't even looking for the ball. Tampa Bay and the ball just was just it was a bad pass, bad route, bad everything. And like Tampa Bay could have intercepted the ball if they would have known. But that was like that was like wow, what happened there? And then they kicked. Buckner hit that 49-yard field goal, takes the lead, 3-0. And uh, Tampa, they go, and this is what happened, like, where they got they got third and one. And what I liked is at third and one, the Tampa Bay 34, what do they do? Fournette for a yard. They yeah. don't throw a long pass. They go four straight plays. Then they went four straight plays, 10 yards. Passes to Brown, passes to Braid, passes to Brown, passes to Fournette, 11-yard run, and then Gronk for a touchdown. And I'm like, wow. I mean, there's the Kansas City defense I know, that I know. Like, they're just going to, Tampa Bay's going to march down there on four plays and, and score like there. And then Kansas City goes three and out. They missed two passes to Daryl Williams. Still no Kelsey. Still no Hill. And then they had that 27-yard punt. So in the first quarter, Mahomes was one for eight passing, and they were down seven to three. You know there was a prop whether or not the Kansas City punter would have a punter a punt less than 40 yards. Oh, my gosh. Like, who, who everyone's going to bet over on that. <laughs> like, that was just bizarre. So what happened in the second? In the second, and then Tampa gets the ball back, and, and they threw it at Gronk, and there was an unnecessary roughness. And then this was like, this was the weird drive, because Ronald Jones was in there, not Fournette. So he had he had a couple good runs. Then they threw Evans. That was his one pass for 31 yards. That was key. They have first and goal at the six. And then this is where, I mean, I'm telling you, if they would have lost, if they lost this game, no one is talking about this. There's not been one. I've, heard, I've listened to, to radio and everything. But this first goal on the six, they bring Vita Vea in on offense. So they run all these plays where they throw, and they threw to Haig this, this weird pass where they do a tackle eligible, and that didn't work. Then it's third and goal with the two. They run Jones. He gets down to, like, the inch line. They run him again, and he gets he doesn't get the first down. They get stopped on the goal line. Like, you're thinking you need every point. You're on the inch line to score. And, it, you know, Brady thought they scored. He was like, we scored, but they, but they didn't. And I just don't know why they put Fournette in there like I was shocked because I saw how Fournette was running in that first series I'm like that was a mistake like that was the run that Fournette should have been there and you saw Fournette run later game he would have scored on that that would have been I thought that was a mistake but suddenly they go down instead of being you know instead of being up 14-3 7-3 and they give it and how many times have we seen Kansas City get this ball against Miami did it got like on the one inch line same thing that Miami did and they run go down and score a touchdown like a 99 yard drive Mm -hmm. so they got the ball and the first play was the hill 15 yards I'm like here we go again they're gonna come down that's what I thought but then on third and eight Kelsey dropped the ball and then on fourth and eight they they punted 56 yards but then there was a penalty on it. they repunted it and that was a 29 yard punt <laughs> so they were having trouble on the special teams Tampa Bay gets the ball back and then that was weird that was the third and four on the 32 when when uh, Tyron Matthew intercepted on the pad they called the penalty on him you don't I thought I thought I saw the penalty I don't like ticky-tack holding calls on the other side of the field to take away interceptions you know it, it, it was it was a bad pass it, it should have been picked a penalty is a penalty, so it has to be called. But I, I feel like they left their flags in their pockets a lot more through the other playoff games than they did for this one. <laughs> well, I think that's – but anyway, so then on third and five, then they dropped the ball, and they were going to – so Johnson dropped it, another drop again. And then, again, they go kick a field goal, and Hardman – and we talk about all these mistakes Hardman made. You know, Hardman did not have a good game at no. all because he lined up – he's a wide receiver, but he's on – he's trying to block the field goal, but he lined up off sides. And then the question is, you take the points off the board, which, of course, most people are taking the points off the board in this game. Here they got the first down, and the next pass, Brady to Gronk, touchdown, 14-3. to (laughs) And I was like, I'm trying to get this picture of Gronk, all my pictures of Gronk, because I wanted to get the spike, and I couldn't get my good pictures of that. I'm, like, flying around trying to figure that out. And then Kansas City gets the ball. So it's 14-3. Kansas City starts to roll. Mahomes to Kelsey. Mahomes, they had another scramble. And uh, they got first and 10 on the Tampa Bay 18. And uh, they went to the Hill for a negative yard. Kelsey for five and then they threw an incomplete pass and there was fourth and six on the 14 and this is what we've been talking about the inability to score touchdowns and we saw Green Bay and this is what happened with Green Bay against against Tampa Bay they they kicked they went three and out they went three and three they got the ball to the 10 yard line three plays didn't score and they end the game they kicked a field goal so these are field goals and that's why with the red zone you know do you score in the red zone not if you don't score a touchdown and that was what the problem but then there was that they take the field goal 14-6 a minute to go in the half now this is where Andy Reid just nobody not understands decision making so, they, so Tampa has the ball, and I've been hearing this all day. So Tampa has the ball on the 29-yard line, one minute to go. Fournette runs the ball for one yard. Tampa, Tampa I mean, uh, uh, Kansas City calls timeout. So they call timeout, and then Brady throws to Godwin eight yards. So now it's third and two with 44 seconds to go. 
So it's third and two. Why in the world would Kansas City call a timeout? Because they only had none left. Mm -hmm. So it's third and two. It doesn't make any sense. Even if they ran a play, they would get the ball. All they would do was force Can uh, Tampa Bay to punt the ball. Like if Tampa Bay said, look, we don't think we can get third and two, or we get stopped on third and two, the, the clay clock's going to run down anyway. That timeout was so stupid. And then you're giving time, just like Green Bay did. Everyone criticizes uh, Green Bay for what they did at the end of the first half. Again, Kansas City is the same thing. So then they Brady threw to Gronk for the first down. So they get the first down and then they get the pass interference Breland on Evans yeah. and then and then they the pass to Fournette and then there was and that's where they threw it to Evans in the end zone Matthew was going crazy jumping up and down and that's where Brady threw it to Brown and it's always interesting because you know of all these Super Bowls that do not when you're watching a Super Bowl with like a minute to go in the first half like go to the restroom or no. just because you want to make the fashion show because remember Harrison for the Steelers when he had that that pickup fumble in the Arizona that was the key of the game where he mm -hmm. ran 99 yards clock had been out and he's rumbling down the field and he knows he gets tackled it's over and he scores a touchdown on that fumble it's like boy these last plays at the end of the first half are crucial and I felt like that was like the key play in terms of them scoring and going up 21-6 uh, at halftime I mean Mahomes was 9 for 19 for 87 yards uh, Brady was 16 for 20 134 yards and three touchdowns Tampa six possessions three touchdowns uh, they had a fourth and an inch you know the fourth and inch where mm -hmm. they get in two punts so the two punts to start after that they went they drove down four times and literally could have scored four touchdowns Kansas City had five possessions three punts and two touchdowns two field goals that was it it was interesting looking too at the as the game went on a lot of this like the time of possession was pretty close but the teams did not look evenly matched at all Ira it was a, just a tale of two different tapes it's 748 Ira on sports don't forget Facebook Instagram at Ira on sports so what happened next well in the third quarter and again people are like oh I think this game is all Anyone, it's never over with Patrick Mahomes. They were down th last year in the playoffs to Tennessee. They were down to Houston. Down they, 20 points to Houston. They were, like, this was like, they they, they had, a, like, anyone who thought, I, I couldn't believe it would say, oh, we knew the halftime the game was over. How, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is yeah. not, like, round and pound, like, team. I mean, they scored 15 points in two minutes. There was nothing. So I was like, I'm, I'm rooting for Tampa Bay. I'm not nervous at all. But it was weird. The Kansas City goes down. And that's where they started. Hilaire started running the ball, and they got again. It was like a um, second and seven, two incomplete passes. Their their inability on third down, uh, getting in the, near in the red zone was terrible. They kicked another field goal, make it 21-9. Last point they scored the rest of the game Who with 11 minutes to go, 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. And then Tampa gets the ball, and uh, this is where I was watching the game. And I swear, I, I'm turning the person next to me, not the cardboard cutout. I turned the person next to me, my friend. I said, they don't want to tackle Fournette. It's like Derrick Henry running. I remember when Earl Campbell used to run the ball for the for Houston. It's like they just didn't want to. And he just, Fournette looked like just a, just a possessed. They did not want to tackle him. And he, he ran for like, he had a three-yard pass play. Then he had a 12-yard run. And then he had a four-yard run. And then it was first and 10 on the 27. And Fournette just goes 27 yards for a touchdown. And you watch that play. They did not want to tackle him at all. They just let him run it. <laughs> it reminds me of Derrick Henry. Tyrone Matthew was in front of him and just said, you can score. I don't want to try to even knock you down at the one-yard line. And uh, and that made it twenty-eight to nine. And but it's still like at twenty-nine. Which I'm still like, can't, this is Kansas City. Like this, is Mahomes. He's gonna have this great comeback. You never know what's gonna happen. And uh, Kansas City then Hilaire had rent. Then, Mah then Mahomes threw that interception. That was that's where I think they pressed it. So they're down twenty-eight to nine, and you're like, they're not gonna panic. And they finally panicked. Like that. I thought that was a panic throw that he threw when he threw of the course. interception. Yeah, the was, yeah, his worst throw of the game, arguably. And Winfield though. So someone like Anton Winfield, he's a rookie. I remember from Penn State. He's the one who won when Minnesota beat Penn State last. Last year, that's the person who, who won the game. Winfield mm -hmm. is really, we talk about drafts, that's a rookie who comes in and makes a big play like that in a Super Bowl, that's crucial. And then Tampa gets the ball with 6.30 left in it left and the third, and uh, they were like, um, th but this is where I thought this was key. This is so important. So it's 28 to nine. It's third and 10 on the Kansas City 19, and they get a horrendous snap. Horrendous, the ball's over Brady's head. Now, Brady could have like, oh my God, the ball's over my head. They could have picked that ball up and ran it for a touchdown. Yeah. So instead of 28 to 28 to nine, it, it would be 28 to 16. Instead, two score game. Brady gets the ball, falls on the ball, doesn't try to be stupid and pick it up and run with it, falls on the ball, realizes it's going to be a 50-yard field goal, and they kick the field goal 31-9. So does 31-9 sound a lot better than 28-16? to 16? Mm -hmm. That's Tom Brady. That's a smart play. That might be the play of the game. And no one's mentioning, like, to run, just to run back like he did and fall on that ball that was way over his head, that saved the game. 
compared to the Steelers with Ben. Remember the first play of the game when it was over, it was a bad snap, and everyone's yeah. like, like, Ben and Connor were like looking at the ball, and they just went in, the Browns just went in and scored a touchdown. It's like, I'm Polar not. Polar opposites there. It's like ridiculous. Like, you had to make that play right there, and that was like, and I compare it, I just, oh, I'm so frustrated because Ben made a play against the Colts when, when Jerome fumbled and he tackled uh, the guy running back the ball and the, and the thing, but I was like mad and compared about Ben with that, and I just think Brady saved the game on that well, play. Well, it's one of the things people always say, how is Tom Brady getting better with age? He's not getting better. He's not getting stronger. He's getting smarter. And it's things like that that he does. And then And then Casey had the ball through. So it's 230 left, 31-9. I still, like, again, I'm I like, wasn't done yet. I'm like, <laughs> I've seen this. Is my head is Patrick Mahomes. Like, again, they score. I watch every one of their games. They're the most explosive offense I've ever seen. So their first, but what they did was, and this is what i got to give Tampa Bay credit, 11 plays, 62 yards, 4 minutes and 14 seconds. They were giving them everything underneath. That's why his numbers looked a little better at the end of the game, because they kept just giving him the passes. Yeah. But you weren't getting all those long passes. And then on fourth down, uh, it was first and down and 10 at the 12. Two incompletions, and they get and they lose, turn it over on downs. They don't score there, and that's what Tampa's defense did against Green Bay. This is what Tampa's defense did against here and Mahomes and the Mahomes problem about scoring in the red zone. And then Tampa, see, unlike Atlanta, remember when Atlanta blew that huge lead? They're not going to right. They're not going <laughs> to. But that's where Brady's not Matt Ryan. Brady was like, no. I mean, there was a point. If you watch that Tampa that that Atlanta game, there was no way that that Atlanta should have lost that game. If they were just ran the ball, played smart, like don't do it, just don't play smart, and they they got actually uh, five. They they took five minutes off the clock, and I didn't like it. In fact, on third and one on the forty six, they threw it to Gronk. That was a stupid play. They should have <laughs> ran it with the Fournette. But then Kansas City went and they went down. It was like thirty one nine with eight minutes left. Ten play sixty five yards, and uh, then it was like third and thirty three. They got turned the ball over downs and at the end I think it was just interesting they intercepted the ball at the end just to get the, that point you knew the game was over but just to preserve the fact that Kansas City doesn't Brady score a didn't celebrate till then that was the first <laughs> time Brady smiled or anything and and finally admitted you know a lot of other guys like you, you know eight minutes to go would have been like we got this but Brady knew this team can still do something and he, he didn't celebrate till then I just thought, and it was just, it was so cool to be there and to see when the confetti and the fireworks and everything and the Brady, like I, he just, it was different. I think I remember in the game when I saw when they beat the Rams, I think Brady was happy that he won. That was it. But this was a different, this was sort of like, he felt like this was his oh, team. Oh, this was, yeah. And this was the way to get, this is, I'm not in New England. I did this when no one thought I could do this. And it's like this challenge and it was great. And, and I just, when it was just, it seemed like. It was weird. I mean, it's like you're in Tampa and you're not. When you go to watch New England, there was a zillion New England fans. And Tampa, Tampa's a nice fan base, but it is not the New England fan base. No. Not the Steelers, not the Green Bay fan base. But it's like, but I think, I think Brady, the teammates, when you hear Antonio Brown talking about Leonard Fournette, like we're here because of Tom, we're here because of Tom. That's what a true leader is. I mean, he's amazing. No, I, I agree with you. And this was, this, we knew he was the GOAT, but it took him basically six Super Bowls to where we anointed him the GOAT. Now it's seven. I think he's a, transcended just football and he's up there with the greatest athletes of all time across any sport not the most athletic by any means but the results are undeniable well i mean you want to compare him to the greatest i mean I, michael jordan i still think is the greatest of all time but michael jordan only won with the bulls he didn't win with yeah. another team lebron and, is a good comp comparison and, and lebron hasn't won but lebron has all the losses and still had had his issues in terms of, of his failures against dallas and those things um, but I, I think that uh, I think your, your, your comparison, like even Gretzky, he won with Edmonton, but yeah. he didn't come. He didn't. He didn't. Well, he didn't win with. Well, he won with LA, or did he win with LA? I think. Yeah, I think they got a t one with Luke Robitaille in yes, that team. So they won. So that was the point. But did you see Robert Ori tweeted to him, "Welcome to the Seven Championship <laughs> Club"? How funny is that? Robert Ori was a basketball player who just it, it tended <laughs> to be on all. Along to yeah, it's like three, four different teams, and just would always hit big shots. Welcome to the Seven Club, baby. That was great. Only Bill Russell, I guess, could, can say more. Yogi, um, Yogi Bear. Oh, Yogi. Vera, true. Um, halftime show, you loved it. You were there, though. And I think a lot of the people's gripes today is that The weekend just doesn't have enough. You know, we, we've had J-Lo and Shakira. This is multi, multi, you know, number one hits. Same thing with Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, The Who. Um, I just don't know if The weekend is enough to carry something like this. The presentation was great. You loved it. And I think that was the drawback for the, for the public. In, it's totally different. First of all, we didn't see The weekend a lot. He was on the end zone, the one, and, and he was performing it, and he wasn't on a stage. And he was also, when he was in that tunnel with the people with the masks on, you didn't see him at all. So, but I, I thought when you're in 
a stadium like that and everyone has the lights and they change it and the fireworks, it's pretty cool to see it. Like you, I mean, it is, it was, I thought it was very cool. His music is, I, I have known some of his songs and I thought it was interesting. You're I thought a club that, guy, you marched, know the song. Well, they marched on the field <laughs> and stuff. Like I, I didn't think, I actually found it more entertaining than like the Bruno Mars show. I think another thing was that he announced before there was gonna be nobody else but him and you weren't waiting for those surprises like when you had yeah. Shakira and, and J-Lo both on and there are other people that come up and other celebrities come up. It wasn't one of those type of shows and, and Weekend is not Michael Jackson who can carry this whole show himself. I mean, I think the standard is so high on some of these halftime shows. We've seen it's the, impossible to, it, to please the Michael Jackson thing messed it up because Michael Jackson, when he appeared on the halftime show, was the number one performer, and there was no number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And he performs and does an amazing show and an amazing performance. And so everything after that pales in comparison. It's like Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls, you win one, so what? So that's the point. Is it? It was just he set such a high standard of halftime shows, and everyone's like, whatever. But I enjoyed it when I was there. I thought it went well. And uh, so I enjoyed it. And so you're funny, Eric, because we're talking, you know, in our pregame, pregame, uh, pre-show routine. And you're like regretting that you didn't get to see all the commercials yet. You were at the game. Of course you didn't see them. But, no, you, but people you ask me that homework. question all the time. Yeah, you're doing your homework. But people ask me that question. Do they show the commercials? When, and no. They do not. They do not show the commercials at all during when they you're have their at own presentation. There were some good ones. Bryson DeChambeau has a really good one um, for this new Paramount Picture streaming service. Will Ferrell has a very good one with General Motors. So you'll catch these as you go. The, the Bryson one was really... For everyone hating Bryson so much, I think he's going to gain a little bit back uh, among the public. What about Patrick Reed? Will he do a commercial? Patrick <laughs> Reed, I don't think, will be doing commercials. It's 7.58. We go a little bit over. We started a little late tonight here on Iron Sports. So... This was a weird Sunday, and I was glued to the TV from the Golf Channel at, at noon, watching this, then switching over to NBC to watch the uh, Phoenix Waste Management Open. We thought Jordan Spieth, it, I almost felt like people online anointed a little too early as Jordan Spieth's comeback, and you kind of knew off the first, his first tee shot was errant into the desert. And it just went downhill from there. I was listening to the Golf Channel on Sunday driving, but when I got so nervous with my tickets, I couldn't focus on anything but my <laughs> tickets. So I, when I left, I, it was uh, it was James Hahn had the lead, and so I was like, had to turn he had it a off. Four stroke lead at one point. So I'm like listening. I'm like, okay, James Hahn's gonna win, and then I didn't find out Brooks won. <laughs> until like I think one in the morning and someone said oh you should be happy that Brooks won I go what won what <laughs> yeah, and I go they weren't even mentioning his name yeah. and I didn't realize that he, he finished with uh, uh, 13, 14, 15 birdies and a 17 he had an eagle and then we talked about you mentioned about Jordan Spieth yesterday on Saturday I watched that so Jordan Spieth is now ranked if I said Jordan Spieth if told you he was ranked 69th in the world 69th in the world I mean here's a guy who's with all his majors and everything and he's not 50 years old he's in one in four years <laughs> yes and, uh, and he shot a 61 10 under his best round I think of his career, really, and mm -hmm. you're waiting for Sunday, and he didn't. He didn't really fire on Sunday at all. Xander Schauffele looked good. You know, he kept himself in it the whole time. Brooks did have like a 98 yard chip in, or like a pitch in, I guess you'd call it, but just dialed. In. And like you said, nobody was talking about Brooks Kepka, and then Brooks was obviously done. You know, a half hour before everybody else, just hanging out, and they a bunch of candid shots of him on his phone, texting his girlfriend, waiting for the tournament. Probably to getting end. to watch the the, the Super Bowl, yeah, probably <laughs> ready for it to wrap up. Um, so this was crazy, and then I texted you because you know the, the waste management's a pretty big tournament, at least for spectators. Everyone, it's one that everyone looks forward to, and I'm going through, and on the European tour. All the Euros are playing there, and I didn't realize Dustin Johnson wasn't playing in this one either, and there was a good reason for this. He, he was playing in the Saudi Arabia tournament, yeah. and then also Justin Rose, Tony Finau, Victor Hovland. I mean, talk about two, and then Patrick, isn't it funny that Patrick Reed decides after all the controversy, he's playing in Saudi Arabia and not in Phoenix, <laughs> even though they did have fans in Phoenix. So when Jordan was doing well, it sounded like it sounded like a real golf match, yeah. because it was they had limited fans, but they were very loud. It's a stadium-type course. They, they know to have the largest uh, fans attendance of everyone, but that was exciting to see to see that there, but that was so weird. And then, but this week is the Pebble Beach, and how about this odds? Dustin Johnson, have you ever seen odds like this for a golf tournament? Four to one. That's absurd. I don't know 150 guys in the field, he's four to one. Was Tiger ever four to one at a tournament? I just can't believe That'd that. That'd be a good stat to pull up. Tiger Woods' best odds ever, worst odds, I guess you'd call it. Canale, yeah, four to one is insane. Well, maybe at a world golf event, but not at a regular yeah. tournament. Canale yeah. was 10 to one. I mean, there's 150 people in the golf tournament. So Canale is 10 to one. I'll always take the field in that situation. Berger is 18 to one. Spieth is 25 to one. And Fowler, who missed the cut, he's 63rd in the world. I mean, Fowler is looking for something to come. I mean, he and Spieth, here's these two major golfers that are struggling um, in terms of like the, uh, right now, Fowler wouldn't make the Masters cut. I mean, it would not be the Masters cut. He wouldn't be in the Masters because he's outside the top 50 in the world. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, him and Spieth have had a real fall from grace, and we're hoping that either of them get that back. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left here, Ira. So I don't know if anybody knows this, but 
the Knicks actually look like they have a pulse for the first time in since, I don't know, 1994. I mean, the Knicks look like they're finally doing something right. So then I get across my phone that the Knicks traded for Derrick Rose. And if you didn't know this, the Knicks drafted this guy in the, I think, 27th overall, Emmanuel Quickly. Nobody knows who he is. He's, he's a point guard. He's having a phenomenal year. This kid looks like a diamond in the rough. So now I'm thinking, you're bringing in Derrick Rose to take the ball away from this amazing rookie that you just drafted. But looking back on it now, they didn't give up that much. And maybe Derrick Rose is there to kind of give some life lessons to the young Emmanuel quickly. I'm okay with this trade. It was for Dennis Smith Jr., who's a basically a D-leaguer. And I'm okay with Derrick Rose returning to New York. Well, the Nick fans, they're grasping at straws. Like, any, any sign of life. Well, Tim Rowe's doing a great we'll job. And the reason job. anybody's bringing Taj Gibson back, I mean, he clearly, he knows. And the one thing we, we know about Tim Rowe, he liked Jimmy. He had Jimmy Butler when at Minnesota, Chicago. So he sort of has his players that, that play his game. And uh, Derek Rose has this, like, lifetime of contract from Adidas. Not lifetime, but I think years. But he gets paid more to be the shoe endorser than he actually gets to pay, play basketball. So, <laughs> But he has to keep playing. But he's been playing well for Detroit. So as someone who follows fantasy, he's played well. So I do think the Knicks, it's weird the way the whole NBA is set up Miami's at 9 and 14 you're like they're having a terrible year but they're only a couple games out of like this third place in the playoffs yeah. so every all the teams are sort of there's only a few bad teams in the whole NBA this year how's your uh, Brooklyn Nets doing this was your disaster waiting to happen <laughs> well I it was weird I mean Kevin Durant when they played to they played Toronto and they lost to fit they, they and Durant was in the game they were supposed to be in the game they pulled him out for COVID then he because he took a cab ride and they pulled him out like it was in and out then they lose to Philly without Kyrie um, um, so they struggled this week, but they did have a win against Clippers. So I guess that's one thing that was like their big win. Uh, but their uh, Philadelphia's number one seed, and, and Embiid is having that his finally. But I mean, to think that Embiid's going to stay healthy this year, I don't think so. But right now, Philadelphia's the number one seed in the East. So uh, the Yankees have been making some moves, Ira. And you'd think that the Dodgers would be pretty content with what they have in their World Series ring, their am amazing lineup. They're not done, and they just brought on Trevor Bauer, who. Personally, I think he got way too much money. I think Trevor Bauer is a three in this league, maybe a, a high-end or low-end two. He's getting 1A money, and he's going to be a Dodger for the next three years. I no, I don't know if it's the next season, but I love the contract. So this is different because we've talked about Scott Burroughs. I've heard these interviews. They're like, well, we have to give these 10-year, $300 million contract because really at the beginning of the year, they really are valuable. In the end, it's sort of like paying off, but they want to have long-term deals. Teams now don't want to have these no. long-term contracts. So they're paying Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer wanted to be called the, the highest paid player in the game. So he's getting paid $40 million. Now, here's a guy who last year, five and four, only pitched nine games, 173 or eight, and won the Cy Young. So it's sort of like really a, not a real Cy yeah. Young. He only pitched nine games. And then even the year before, he's had four years of four-plus ERAs, which is not very good. And then two, that's, 2018. No, that's number three stuff. Yeah, 2018 is 12 and six for 2.21. But the interesting thing is the Dodgers are paying him $40 million this year, and then he has an opt-out. If he wants to but if he doesn't opt out, he gets $45 million the next year. So he'll be the highest paid player the following year. And then the following year is $17 million. So for him, it's like, well, it, the question he has, if he has a great year, is the $45 million better than him going and trying to get a longer-term deal? Or if he's – and if he's terrible, they're never going to – the $17 million, he'll just take and that will make that mm -hmm. money. But it's it's a weird contract and it's a different type of contract, so I'm more intrigued by that. And I like how the Mets tried to say, we're going to give you a deadline. Like, clearly, he wanted to go to the Dodgers. <laughs> and so the Dodgers, he were just had to – the Dodgers was using the Mets. I mean, he was just using the Mets to get his money up there because he had no intention of going to the Mets. No, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The Mets fans really wanted him, though, and they were ready to give him that eight-year deal or whatever, they're going to roll out the red carpet. And like I said, you look at his stats. He, this guy's not an ace. And I don't think he's going to be. He's not going to have to be in L.A. So, I mean, it's a great signing for a good team. But well, what's, what's, what's so good is you're going to see his win total. So you have Kershaw, Bueller, uh, Bauer, uh, uh, Price, Urias, and May. I mean, the Dodgers score five, six runs every game. So he's going to, his win total could be enormous if he's at like a four-year and he stays pretty relatively healthy. So if he stays healthy, he's going to be able to win a lot of games and that's going to be, you know, because the Dodgers just score runs. And also you don't have to pitch that much because the Dodgers bullpen is, the Dodgers are so good, it's just ridiculous. They, they, they yeah, are, they're on another level. They are so, they're amazing and the, the National League is so good but the, the Dodgers and they have young players like we're going to see this year a lot of these young players that are going to come up in their system that are going to be amazing Gavin Lux keep your eye out for him because he's the, yeah he's he's the next uh the next big thing just like a minute or two left so Ira 
people can say you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't make your predictions. You shouldn't feel uh, you shouldn't be giving out what you think is going to happen. But you've been really right, and you said that you think Gonzaga is not going to lose a game this year. So far, you're right. Tonight, if you want, if you can't sleep, please turn on ESPN at 11 o'clock because they're playing BYU. It's one of their last tough really games. Only like four four games left, and they play at 11 o'clock. They're 18 and 0. They won 76-58. But they're fun to watch. They're a fun basketball team. They pass the ball. They shoot. They have four NBA players on this team. They're just it's a great team to watch. Amazing. The first time in history of the world, Duke, UNC, Kentucky, and Kansas are not in the top 25. I mean, the four teams are one of us. And Duke <laughs> lost to UNC. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're not going to make the tournament. Kentucky's not going to make the tournament. And uh, UNC might be out of the tournament. To think that this whole change in basketball, that there's two top teams, Baylor 17-0, and 0, uh, Jared Butler is their star guard, and Gonzaga's 18-0, those two teams. But it's uh, get a chance to watch these games. Baylor has the next five games postponed, but Gonzaga is playing tonight at 11, so I can't wait to see that game. Real quick, what's going on in UFC boxing? A real fast Alvarez is fighting Kamala Alvarez, one of the, the top pound for pound best boxers, fighting as, on February 27th at Miami Gardens. It's going to be an easy match for him, but a chance to see live boxing would be great. I wonder how many fans are going to allow there. And then this is going to be one of the greatest stretches in the 27 year history of UFC where you're going to have. Starting this weekend, UFC 258, Kamara Usman, who hasn't lost in eight years, 16 straight fights, is fighting Gilbert Burns for the welterweight title. He and Burns were training partners, best friends. I think they still get along, but they don't train together. But you remember Burns beat Woodley. They were supposed to fight. This is going to be a great one. And then 259, the next two weeks after that, Israel uh, Adesmaya, who's a big star, is fighting John Blackwich for the title. They're actually, one is a middleweight, one's a light heavyweight title. Amanda Nunes fights in March 6th. Peter Yan fights March 6th. And then March 27th might be the biggest fight in in the history of the UFC, this Steph Mirosic versus Francis Nugano. Remember, Mirosic is the heavyweight champion of the world, considered the greatest ever UFC fighter of all time. He beat Nagano in 2018. Since then, Nagano hasn't like knocked everyone out in the first round again. So he bought, and then they're going to fight again. Nagano is the slight favorite over Mirosic, who that's how people think. So that's on March 27th. So it's really an exciting February March uh, time for for UFC. I have a feeling you've been uh, getting up at two o'clock in the morning for some Australian Open. Not yet. It's the tournament just starts. It's going to be on. I'm excited. You have Nadal. You have it just started the, yesterday, and then Serena's going for her 24th, which is the all-time record wins. You have Coco Goff in the tournament. Sophie Kennan, Ken, an American, is there. So I'm excited for the Australian Open. We'll talk about it next week, and then uh, next weekend, Daytona 500. I might go with Dan- go for it. Danny, ha- Danny Hamlin's the favorite. Chase Elliott won last year. He's the the second chance. And then this is Bubba Wallace. Uh, this that's going to be the excitement is going to be Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace is driving a car owned by Danny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, and it's number 23 from cool. North Carolina. <laughs> so that's going to be exciting to have that and have Bubba Wallace drive the 23. And you know Jordan's going to be there. It's going to be great. So maybe that, you can get a picture with Jordan. When you I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to excited with that. Follow Ira's antics and maybe see him at the Daytona 500 this weekend. At Ira on sports, Facebook, and Twitter. What do you got? You have something else? No, that's it. (laughs) We are out of time. On behalf of Ira, Mike, talk next Monday night. It's Ira on sports.